Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everyone? Good Friday morning to you. Rick Uccino, SP3, here on a very special Friday edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast because we have a very special guest. We are not alone. You're joined by former WWE superstar. You may know him as Tucker. And now he's going by Levi Cooper, and he is our now Believe Podcast Network colleague. Got a brand new podcast is going to be coming out here on the Believe in Pro, uh, excuse me, the Believe Podcast Network. Believe in Pro Wrestling is our show with that. Levi, how's it going, good sir? Doing very good, man. Thank you guys for having me. I'm uh, doing well. Doing very well. You look good. You look healthy. You look uh, you look well relaxed, and you look uh, you're just looking good, man. It's nice to it's nice to see you. Yeah, appreciate that. You know, things have been good. I obviously took took some time off and uh I have my I, my son was born. I had a daughter before that. She's almost four, but my son's now five months old. So, oh, yeah. you know, I've just been doing that and uh it's been really awesome, man. It's been good. I was gonna say, like, cause Sid and I both have young kids. That that has to be, but they're really close in age. So having a four-year-old and a one-year-old, that has to be uh a pretty interesting dynamic or a five month old, excuse me, and a four year old. Yeah, man. And I'm, uh, I'm Mr. Dad right now. You know, that's my nine to five. My wife is a educator. And, uh, so I, after uh, Christmas break, she went back to work. So, you know, yeah, I've had, my daughter goes to preschool from, uh, nine 30 to 12, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So, you know, I got a little bit of one-on-one time there, but otherwise, yeah, I got both of the rug rats all the time. And, you know, it's definitely a change of pace from wrestling, but as you know, I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world, honestly, man. Um, yeah, man, that, you know, there's only one thing you can't get back in the world, in my opinion. You can't make back, and that's time. So I, yes. uh, I, and especially being on the road as much as I was, like, I very much appreciate, you know, appreciate it. Not that it isn't difficult, but I'm uh, very appreciative. Yeah, I mean, Sid and I both work multiple jobs, and it's 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 really hard, like balancing all of that time to make time for my nine to five, which is actually a six to two and then making time, you know, for this and putting the effort into this to make it as best as possible. And then also being, you know, daddy and, you know, a husband and everything like that. It's, there's just not enough hours in the day. So I'm actually kind of, I'm actually kind of jealous in the fact that you have that, that time, you know, to spend with your kids. Cause I feel like I've missed most of my, my daughter's life already at three years old. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it kind of, yeah, I mean, I missed a lot of my daughter's, you know, early childhood, right? Like my daughter was, I think, five months old when we got called up, you know, so and I and then I was on the road for two, you know, over two years straight. Um, so, you know, I know I know exactly what, what that's like. And the calculation for me staying home right now, honestly, is just is, is as much financial, too, as it is about time. Right. I mean, uh, under four year old and a five month old, like it's probably four grand a month or that minimum for childcare. So, you know, that's right. I would like, I could probably <laughs> make that money if I really wanted to grind hard, you know, no problem. But like that, I would never see my kids. So I'm like, you know what? Nope. I'll just like, nope, it's worth it. It's just worth it to me, you know? Yeah. And I enjoy, and I get to enjoy wrestling here and there on the weekends and get to, you know, do do what I love and and make a little bit of money doing it, and that's uh, that's just perfect and dandy for me right now. <laughs> and we're gonna dive into all that. We'll dive into the new podcast as well. First, we gotta thank our friends over at Bet Online, which this episode would not be possible without them. It is that time of year. College basketball takes center stage with the tournament. It is finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of your updated odds and info along with the great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That is B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is where the game starts. And, uh, you know, Levi, you talk about being a stay-at-home dad as well, doing a little bit of wrestling on the weekend as well. Kind of update the people who haven't seen you in quite some time when you're talking about doing the wrestling thing. Where have you been doing? What's What's been going on with you? 
Yeah, so I've just been, uh, or not just been, but I've, I've, you know, been sticking around the Pacific Northwest. So I, I live in Vancouver, Washington, just across the border from Portland, Oregon. And uh, so I've been wrestling for Defy in Seattle and uh, had wrestled for Prestige in Portland. Um, I'm going to go out to Spokane, Washington, which is about five hours away from me for uh, support pro wrestling. I've got a couple dates with them, one in April and one in August. And you know, yeah, just kind of, um, I mean, the main thing I wanted to do when I came back to wrestling was just to, to do it because I love it, you know, and, and do it because I, I have, um, a certain presence, like my own kind of being present inside of the ring that I just kind of can't get anywhere else in my life. Um, you know, and so that's sort of been kind of the ethos of why I wanted to come back and, uh, and kind of what I was looking for as, as sort of the main thing for me um, in wrestling. Cause I felt like I lost that a little bit, um, you know, just with the way things were and, and uh, that, it, you know, it is what it is, right. We go through those kind of things in life and we have to learn those lessons and, and kind of figure out, um, you know, what your proverbial why is for doing things. Um, you know, and I've been able to do that and, uh, and feel very good about it. Yeah. I, I've been seeing a couple of your uh, shows on the independence, especially you and uh, at prestige wrestling and you're in awesome shape. I just want to let you know that just seeing you and what, did, what do you, what do you, what do you say that you've done differently? Like coming back into the professional wrestling world to kind of get you in this top notch shape. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of uh, DPY and and just traditional yoga as well. Um, those have been kind of just a big pivot in my life. Um, I spent, you know, the better part of 30 years uh, or not 30 years, but I guess you could say from the time I was born until after my 30th birthday, anytime that I was training, um, it was kind of in pursuit of being bigger, faster and stronger, sort of irregardless of what the long-term ramifications of that were on my body. Right. Just like, Hey, I want, I'm going to be, I'm an athlete. I want to do this. Like I have a full-time schedule. So my job is to, you know, be as big, fast, and strong as I possibly can. And maybe if there's going to be a little bit of long-term injury there, like I'll work around that as opposed to maybe addressing it right then and there. Um, so I started having some, some issues with my hip um, and just kind of realized that I had certain hip mobility that was bad. And, and um, I actually, yeah, everybody's body's a little bit different, right? And so I think my family in general kind of have not great um, hip mobility and sort of uh, a bit of a pelvic tilt. And so I, I started realizing and researching and doing do much work and realized like I'm very quad dominant. I'm too strong. So anyways, long story short, I stopped lifting weights for uh, a year and a half probably and just did, you know, DDPY was the main thing. And then also, you know, some kind of slower yoga Um because I knew I needed to really improve my, my mobility. Um, and so along with that came kind of some natural weight loss. Um, I also did the whole 30, a couple of times, which is an elimination diet that kind of meant to reset your, um, hormones and, uh, your kind of brain and stomach relationship. Um, and so, you know, that, that was something that was pretty helpful for me as well, just to kind of, and, and, um, you, you learn some things about like your emotional relationship with food in that regard as well. Um, and so, you know, I kind of realized like growing up, the only thing we ever talked about, about food was like its taste, you know, and that's, and a lot of the conversation in America is framed around that, um, as opposed to sort of like, it's the fuel for your body to do the things that you want to do in life. And so, you know, to kind of start to look at it in that, in that regard, um, has, has also been pretty helpful and, and has helped me make a shift. And I was going to say that that out of mobility, I mean, yeah, that's going to help you in the ring as well, but it's going to help you out at home. I mean, you got two two young kids who are running around and that's that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now as well, because, you know, I'm a guy who likes to cook and, you know, I like to make healthier foods because who the hell knows what what's out there. And I've had weight problems my entire life. So I like to know what is going into my body. And when we started having kids and I started working multiple jobs, I really kind of lost track of the whole a cooking thing because it became oh well what's easiest what's quicker let's just pick up skyline chili let's just make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and then all of a sudden i go from 215 to 250 over the course of three years so i'm really trying to get back into that and get back into that uh that healthy that uh, healthy lifestyle as well yeah you gotta you know it's it, it takes time right and it, it's like um anything in life like you, you have to I mean, there's, there's a lot of pulls on our time, obviously, like you're talking about just kind of in the modern American lifestyle. So 
where you prioritize that time is is very important, right? In terms of kind of what you're gonna get out of any any particular thing. And so yeah, it's like if if we don't prioritize kind of food and eating healthy, then the environment around us is gonna dictate that we probably won't eat healthy just because of of kind of the convenience of right what what's easy and what's convenient is typically not what's healthy or what's good for us so those kind of things just dictate a lot yeah uh, i also work at a radio station uh five days a week and we get like free fried chicken that's dropped off every thursday like and donuts on tuesday like it is impossible to stay fit in a radio station when you're sitting on your butt all day reading newscasts and then you get free crap delivered to you literally um but you know again we're we're kind of diving into these things because these are some of the things that you're going to be you know kind of focusing on here a little bit uh on your podcast which is going to be called wrestling is life it's going to be coming out here on a, a to be determined date as of right now you're still in the, the preliminary stages to kind of run us down what you're going to be talking about on uh, on wrestling is life yeah so i'm going to shoot for sometime in april will probably be when the first episode drops um the ncaa wrestling tournament is coming up um in a couple of weeks the same the opening weekend of ncaa basketball is has always been um the weekend that the ncaa wrestling tournament is um which is you know obviously very near and dear to my heart some uh, something i competed in three times and and kind of what led me down the path of professional wrestling was uh the success that i was able to find at that tournament to some degree um so you know kind of be discussing all, all things amateur wrestling uh current events if you will you know not spending a, a long time on that <clears throat> maybe five to 15 minutes um you know and then kind of discussing like you said some of the things that i've talked about here early on um i also you know graduated from college with an accounting degree and so i feel like i've learned some decent business lessons and uh you know have have invested quite a bit not that i'm going to be passing on financial advice to anyone you know but kind of um what i think are maybe some good strategies or even just where to where to go to start to look if, if you wanted to learn about these particular things and just kind of hope to you know educate people like i said around around business around mental health physical well-being and just kind of pass along what i feel like are some of the things that amateur wrestling taught me in my life and um and has helped me you know be what i feel like is is fairly successful and have um you know uh, a pretty positive perspective you know on life and on um challenges right um so that's that's sort of where i'm coming from i mean really my main goal is to just put positivity out into the world that's what i'm looking to do um that's what i want to do that's kind of my goal moving forward out of in general is is sort of like the projects that i work on or the things that i'm doing you know the underlying thing needs to be that i feel like i'm putting positivity out into the world or the entity is putting positivity out into the world or else i'm not going to do it um and so you know that's that's kind of going to be the uh, underlying ethos if you will of, of the show i know for those that you know primarily know you from your professional wrestling career they don't know too much about your amateur wrestling side like you you like you just said you're very successful in the amateur wrestling world you placed eighth in 2011 in the ncaa wrestling championship you earned all american status how was that transition from going from amateur wrestling to professional wrestling and what did you see was like the biggest hurdle you had to overcome making that transition yeah, there's um, definitely quite different for things that are, you know, named the same thing. Um, yeah, and, you know, amateur wrestling, I think. Um, so I think the biggest difference, kind of the underlying thing is that in amateur wrestling, when I was at my very best, I was um, super kind of narrow minded tunnel vision, if you will. I'm talking about like in a match, like in the in the moment is like. I'm paying attention to almost no external factors. You know, maybe if there's a break in action, I'm looking to my coach for, you know, three to five seconds worth of information. If he's seen something that I'm not seeing, but otherwise it's like, before I'm ready for a match, I'm thinking about like the two or three positions that I think are going to be the ones that I can use to win in this match. Right. And that when I'm at my best, I wasn't always in that mental space, but like I've realized, Hey, that's, okay. I'm just like, I'm trying to get to my underhook and then whatever, boom, that's like going through my head over and over as I'm, wrestling and trying to get to my spots and then just reacting to what's happening in front of me. Um, and in pro wrestling, when I'm at my best, I'm taking in all information from external factors, right. And, and then reacting according to those, you know, and that includes what my opponent's doing, but, um, obviously you guys know, like we have, we know we're on the same page. So like, if we're not like, we're going to hopefully 
not do something without the other person being ready for it, essentially, right? So there's room for you to stop and make eye contact with someone and have a bit of an emotional moment, right? Or to just look around and take in what's happening around you and and listen and and all of those kind of things that are what make a professional wrestling performance, you know, go from good to great, right? Is is that like um, you can't discount the connection that you could potentially make with somebody that, you know, is an experience that they might remember literally forever. Um, you know, and, and so I think not that that doesn't happen in, in amateur wrestling, but it's just, like I said, vastly different, you know, just the kind of, um, what it takes, I think, um, focus wise in order to be good are quite different. And that was a big adjustment to make, um, early on, a posture was also a, a thing, right? Like amateur wrestling is very closed. All the movements are really precise and direct and professional wrestling is a, is a theater. So everything needs to be large and grand and able to be seen from the top, you know, row of the upper balcony. Like, um, you know, so I think those were kind of some of the things that were major adjustments. I remember early on the, the kind of jargon, if you will, the lexicon of professional wrestling was a barrier for me just because I didn't have a lot of, um, you know, experience, insider experience, you could say, sort of all, all my perspective of pro wrestling was just kind of as a fan, as a kid growing up. And uh, once I got into high school, I, I was just kind of focused on sports. So I didn't really, um, you know, know too much about what goes on behind the curtain, you could say, you know, so when I got to the performance center, that was also some, a big learning curve for me initially, it was just like, all these people are saying words and I don't know what those words mean in the context they're talking about. And like, Hey, can you guys explain what the heat is? Cause I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, and that's funny. Right? Like, <laughs> that really happened. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, all right. So uh, I did wrestling training for about a, a, a year plus and, yeah, there were students in there that they would say, "All right, now now run down the basics of the match for me." It's like they can they couldn't they can never put it together. You know, heat, comeback, falsies, finish. They just for whatever reason, like it was like two plus two and always equaled five to them, right? It just never really fit until like their like last day there, they finally got it, and then they never showed up again. But you know, it, it is like for those people who have never been in a wrestling ring before, it is amazing, and that was the thing that I found the most difficult. There's so many things that you have to focus on at one time while you're in the ring. And one of the things that a lot of the students had a problem with is much like what you were talking about, uh, the, the amateur wrestlers in particular, when they're down low and you're focused on the match, you got to open up. You got to put the headlock in, but you also got to work to the crowd. You got to find the camera and you got to keep yourself. It is so much that people, you don't remember. You just don't remember in the moment. That was the biggest thing that I had is like, I always missed something. I always screwed something up and forgot about doing something uh, in particular. It's I mean, it, it takes a long, like it takes a long time to undo that. Like, right. If you're, you know, muscle memory, if you will, or, yeah. or just whatever, yeah. it takes a long time to kind of erase, erase that or, or unlearn some pieces of it of like, Hey, you don't need to defend, defend yourself here because this guy's not going to try to take you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or, or the flinching, the flinching is the biggest thing too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you said, I mean, it's just a lot. Right. And, yeah. and I mean, I think also people that have, have never, like, I think people take for granted just how much it hurts to take a bump and hit the yeah. ropes and to take a hard buckle and all the things like, because people, you know, your body does get used to doing it, certainly, and can callous up, and is obviously an amazing thing that reacts and adapts to whatever we we give to it. But you can't take for granted that, like, hey, anytime you take a bump, it sucks. Like, yeah, it, it hurts. Yeah, there's a there's a reason why there's a thing called a bump card, and yeah, yeah it's like a mini car it, crash. You know, it, it's like a little mini car crash. Every yeah, time. I remember talking to Al Snow one time, and that's exactly what he said. It's a mini car crash every single time. And I remember the first bump that I did. I learned a very important lesson that day always tuck your chin because I yes. rattled my head off the back of the mat so hard. I was seeing stars literally. Um, so there's just, yeah, there, there's so much that, that really goes into it. And if you look, I'm, I'll say, if you, if you don't believe me, just go do it, just find a school, yeah. go do it and, and give it a shot one day. And you, you truly will. And you, you talked about, I want to go back a little bit. Cause you talked about, uh, you know, growing up a, a fan of wrestling, and, you know, you love wrestling growing up and a lot of your podcast is going to focus on on the mental health of everything. How did your journey coming up to and going through WWE kind of alter, if at all, your love of the business and how things kind of ended with the company? 
did that alter your mental health a little bit? You know, how did, how, what was that whole journey of the ups and downs and everything like for you? Yeah. Hard, man. Very hard. You know, I, um, so I think one of the big things that I've talked about a few times recently is like, um, sort of my, like my identity, I guess you could say. And I think this is true for a lot of athletes and wrestlers, um, pro wrestlers and, and just kind of like anybody who sort of it, like what they do is, is a really large part of their identity as opposed to just kind of being like a job that they do. Right. So, you know, for basically my entire life, I think my main identity was wrestler, whether that was amateur wrestler or pro wrestler, that was kind of my main identity where, where I derived a lot of my self-esteem and um, you know, that can be obviously a difficult journey, right? Because maybe you're not in direct control of everything and you try your best to control what you can control, but there's outside factors and just uh, you know, yeah, it, it, um, it definitely kind of drug me down. I wasn't doing good, obviously at the end. And, and, you know, that's not the way that you dream of things going down. Um, you know, obviously just disappointing to kind of, um, you know, Otis and I, Nico and I have um, an actual friendship, a very close friendship. I would even go as far as to call it brotherhood. You know, we have genuine love for one another. Um, and I think that obviously came across on the screen as you watched us perform together. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like losing a piece of family, right? Somebody that you see every single week. And now all of a sudden, like you're at home and you don't, you don't see them anymore. And they're still out doing their thing. Like it doesn't not hurt. But at the same time, I think, you know, pro wrestling was, was way more of a childhood dream of his than it was of mine, you know, and it was always kind of something that I would have liked to do, but not like, oh, I have to do that. And I won't be able to live without doing it. Um, and you know, like I said, kind of coming out the other side, obviously, and getting to spend the time with my family. Now I'm actually, you know, I found gratefulness in in the way that things went down. And sort of, I just believe that like life is what it is, you know, and, and you kind of have to, you know, figure out your perspective and, and deal with it accordingly. Right. Um, but kind of back to the identity piece, you know, I realized that I personally needed to shift my identity off of wrestling onto, you know, something else that I could derive my self-esteem from that was much more concrete and was something that I was in direct control of. Um, and the two things for me was being a father and being a husband, you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, obviously, but it can be very difficult work to, because, because the skills and, and things um, that are required to be good at those are typically vastly different than what it is to be kind of good in a business sense or in a, in a sports environment or just something that's a kind of uber a competitive environment, right? Because it, it requires much more collaboration and much more kind of teamwork and just being able to like really sit down and actually listen to somebody else's perspective and not try to just uh, always get your shit in if, if for lack of a better term, right? So um, which is kind of what you have to do if you want to be a good athlete or a good professional wrestler. Like you got to be kind of on the grind thinking about yourself all the time because everybody else is, and it's, you know, somebody's always trying to come and take what you got. Um, so, you know, for me, that's, that was a massive kind of mental shift that, that I, I started to make towards the end of WWE before I actually got let go just because, you know, I mean, I think I didn't do much for about six months there at the, at the end of my time. Um, so I was at home a little bit more often than hey, I had been at home before that. Um, you know, so that's been really big in my life to kind of have done that work and yoga and meditation have helped me do those things out a lot and kind of just figure out, um, you know, who I am and, and what I really want out of life, you know, outside of, of sports, which, which encompass such a, you know, big swath of, of my life, um, up to that point. You mentioned your time in in WWE. It it didn't end well. It's been close to a year uh, since you've been let go at this point. Has that has all the time that you've been away and time you've been able to spend with your family and the changes you've made in your life has that allowed you to your your perspective on your time with WWE? Has that changed at all? Do you look on your time there any differently than you did say seven eight months ago? Um, yeah, I mean, I probably am able to just kind of like, um, let go of some of the things that are what they are, right. Or, or just sort of the slights or kind of things that don't really matter and, and aren't going to do anything for me in my life and, and just are part of that particular environment, um, and, and sort of tease out and suss out the lessons that are going to be helpful and useful for me going forward and kind of just dump the rest of it and let it, let it kind of be right. Um, cause it's not going to change and there's no use being bitter or angry about something that literally is is kind of just it is it's past right i mean yeah the past is history so um you know yeah that's definitely kind of been been good for me um i think you know like 
I could have done better. Right. I mean, there's, I look back and there's, there's kind of mistakes I think that I made. Um, I wish character wise, I would have um, leaned into amateur wrestling kind of more hard and made that a bigger part of my character early on in our main roster run, because um, I didn't really have a hook early on, you know, um, as much as kind of I needed to. And so looking at the landscape of tag team landscape going in, you know, we had these discussions quite often um, about, okay, like, you know, tag teams get split up quite often. How are we going to try to avoid that? Right. What are we going to try to do? And um, you know, ultimately like it's so week to week there that, that you kind of, when something starts to work, you, you have to just like lean into it and, and use it. Right. And so obviously the worm and, and kind of Otis's comeback was working well for us. And, you know, I'm thinking like, Hey, we can get six, eight months out of this, no problem. And then we'll shift and we'll do something else. Cause that's just kind of like the way that things are here. And, um, and I think we were kind of working into that. Um, you know, we, we had a good elimination chamber match and right before that we went almost an hour on TV and this is like a week or two before the pandemic really started. Right. So yeah. I think, we were picking up some momentum as a team, um, you know, and then obviously the pandemic happens and, and um, a lot of shifts have to be made. Um, and, and just, we just weren't able to kind of, I guess, successfully navigate that as a team as well as maybe we could have or, or whatever. I mean, it doesn't, I'm, it, it is what it is. I don't, it doesn't matter why it happened. Right. But it happened and sort of, um, I mean, it's crazy to me that, that they would just allow the Mandy storyline to like end without any kind of, I like, I understand they probably didn't want either of them to be a heel, but it's like, yeah, probably one of, if not the most invested in stories, you know, in the entire company. And it's been going on since before Valentine's day and run through WrestleMania. So you're talking about like three months worth of time have been spent. They carried um, the whole summer. It, you know, it, yeah. They carried so the whole summer. Go, like to have them go their separate ways without like, with just pretending like it never happened. He's not depressed. You know, we pitched something where it was like, Hey, let's lose some matches. Cause this guy's sad. But his girlfriend left him. And then like, well, there's some conflict between us, but then we're able to like get back to work. And, and now we're like, we get, you know, going again. Right. Or just something like we can't pretend like it never happened. It happened. We were all there. We all saw it. Yeah. We were all invested in it. Like it happened. It was, the, it happened. So, you know, and then on top of that, obviously what happened between us and, and kind of not having really, any story between us out of that, which, I mean, that's their decision. They make those decisions. That's fine. But if what you want to do is ultimately run with them, you know, they, they didn't do a very good job of like making him a baby face that people should care about because like his girlfriend left him, didn't do anything. His best friend hits him over the head with a briefcase. Doesn't really do anything about it. Like, I don't know. That's kind of chopping off character's legs a little bit, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, like I said, I love that guy and I wanted the best for him. And, and so that was, and he's, he's doing great now. And, and I'm not surprised to, you know, see him. And I also love Gable, obviously an amateur wrestler as well. And, uh, you know, the three of us used to ride together and, and are good friends and still, you know, keep in touch with each other and, and have a, have a group message. And, um, I'm very happy for those guys that they've been able to continue to navigate those waters and succeed because I know how difficult it is, um, you know, ultimately to do that. Uh, so I think it speaks to, you know, the level of quality performer that both of those guys are, that they've been able to, um, you know, attain that level. Um, and for me, um, you know, I think things have, have worked out for the best in my life um, because, you know, I think I wasn't particularly ready for how emotionally difficult it was going to be to spend my life every week on the road with, with a brand new uh, baby girl either, you know, and that um, was something that, maybe didn't deal with as well as I could have dealt with early on, um, you know, and, and sort of just try to like tuck underneath the rug and, and sort of just pretend like it wasn't there, even though I knew that it was there. Um, and, you know, so I think that might've led to sort of just my overall um, kind of being not being as, as positive as it, it could have been either. So, you know, I think it's a multitude of factors and it's just a very competitive, very, uh, very crazy environment, you know? And, and uh, so I think my situation is not like a unique situation, right? A hundred people got let go last year. Um, so that's, uh, that's just part of the business, part of that company in particular. Very true. 
Um, I got to commend you because you're talking about, you know, the beginning of your main roster run and you guys just instantly had that chemistry with each other that really got the fans behind you. But you came at a time which was very strange as far as the WWE's relationship with the fans. I don't know if a lot of people remember, but you were a part of the fans being in control and having the control with the call ups with you, Lacey Evans, EC3. And how was that whole situation and how was it kind of like? presented to you your call up in that whole thing where they kind of hyped you up for a whole month and then you kind of your introduction is in this segment with alexa bliss and paul Heyman, where it's kind of like you're kind of talking for otis and he's just like kind of drooling over alexa bliss it was very strange like kind of that whole month that they kind of introduced you guys to the main roster how was that experience for you um you know yeah it was I think strange is a pretty good word for it. You know, that, that whole month of um, January, we were pulling double duty too. So we were, we were working at NXT house shows on at least on Saturday, sometimes on Friday, Saturday, then flying out Sunday, then we're then going raw and SmackDown, even though we weren't doing anything, we were still going to TVs, you know, so we were pretty busy that month. Um, And honestly, the first kind of, five months or so of our, our time, you know, I think the six of us didn't have a brand, right? So we were working both brands because um, it was Monday and Tuesday still. Um, so, you know, that was kind of, um, obviously we were, we were around a lot and we were, we were particularly busy. Um, at least it felt like we were super busy. Uh, we were working some house shows then too. So some of our road trips were Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, um, there in our, those first maybe three, four months. Um, you know, I think, yeah, it was, it, I don't know. I mean, it's, you don't have any control over how your kind of beginning goes, right? You can try, you can try to do what it is, but ultimately like they tell you what to do and you got to do it. That's, that's the job. That's what you get paid to do. It's, it's, yeah, that's, that's what it is. So um, I think obviously we would have liked for it to maybe have been a little bit different than that. Um, but I think our, our kind of attitude was a, always like, you know, let's take what they give us. If we have a small suggestion to make, let's make it. But otherwise, let's just try to do the best we can early on with what we're given, show that we can, you know, do that. And then hopefully kind of build some uh, equity up doing that um, in time. And I think we were able to kind of do that a little bit, you know, and, and we weren't able to maybe get as many things as we wanted to. You know, we, we I think if if the summer, if that the second summer of us there, if it wasn't a COVID summer, like we had pitched a barbecue thing that we were going to be like doing barbecuing every week at TVs and to bring a barbecue and like just let people come and interact with us around the barbecue. And we'll just be like, like the APA sitting around their table backstage playing cards, right? Like anytime you see us backstage, we're like around a barbecue. That's just what we, where we are. Like when we come and wrestle, cool, we're in our gear, but otherwise if you see us backstage, we got a barbecue with us. And uh, so I think we were probably going to make, make that happen. And I think that could have been pretty awesome. Um, you know, and yeah, it was, I think we had some great ideas and, and we talked about how we could maybe tweak our act a little bit going up. You're like, okay, this is who we were in, in NXT, but um, what kind of little adjustments can we make going up? And, and sort of like, if we pretend like none of these people have ever seen us before, like what's our hook going to be, right? And and blue collar solid was that thing, the kind of our motto that we, did, we didn't really use that in, in NXT. We kind of, and we had that, we saved it for five or six months and and then when we moved up we we're like hey we're just going to put this on our stuff and we're just going to use this because like i think you get that right like you see us come out dressed the way we are we're blue collar solid it's like all right i get what these guys are like you you know and uh and so i think that was helpful for us too just to be able to sort of stamp where our brand was early on even if it wasn't in the greatest matches or the greatest segments. It was like, when you saw us, you at least understood what we were about, you know, and, and you could make your, your initial judgment based on that. I love the, the barbecue idea. One of the, one of my favorite backstage segments with you guys was when you guys were putting all that junk into the blender and then, and then Becky just shows up and takes a drink and goes, eh, it's a little weak and hands, (laughs) hands it back to Otis that there's a lot of cool things. I thought you guys could have, could have done there, but kind of, as you guys, you say you have a ton, you had a ton of ideas, you pitched a ton of ideas coming up as a tag team in WWE. I can't imagine how hard that is because we 
look, there's a stigma surrounding how WWE treats their tag teams. A lot of them get split up. You know, guys go on singles runs. Other people get, you know, kind of lost and forgot. You look at like the main three tag teams over on Raw, even even Otis and Gable. Those were all single super superstars who were thrown together and into mixed tag teams. So coming up as a traditional tag team, did that put any extra added pressure on you? Did you guys know you were kind of had an uphill climb there while you're coming up? You know, what's that mindset like? I mean, yes, obviously, like, you know, we're paying attention to the environment and know sort of like what the, what the potential pitfalls are, right? And you, you kind of try to deal with those the way that you can, you know, but um, I mean, not to kind of go back to, I mean, the pandemic was what it was, you know, but I think there's, for our act, like we were so um, interactive, fan interactive centric, like that was such a big part of our act, whereas like maybe other people who have more like hard hitting kind of a shooter style that don't um, interact with the audience as often in their matches or maybe more tailored to having a television match with no audience. It's just like, you know, like not to make any excuses, but I think we knew our position was like, we could really fill the like opening over with the kids type live event role. Like yes. we could do that role for a long time as like, okay, the new days filled that role for quite a while, but they're going into more serious things as we came up, right? Kofi's doing the WrestleMania stuff. Like, so, you know, we thought, Hey, we could, and we, and that's, that was our job on live events and we were doing well with it. And, and I think it, it probably would have continued. And then it just kind of the environment shifted and, um, the Mandy thing happened. And I think after that, they just kind of saw like, all right, well, Otis doesn't really, you know, he like he's gotten over in this thing with Mandy. He doesn't really need a partner anymore. Like let's try to run with him. You know, and I think ultimately, I think they wanted to break us up around money in the bank. I don't have any proof of that. Obviously it's just my perspective. You know, I think I was home for like six or seven weeks there. I wasn't going to TVs in the middle, you know, after WrestleMania and during the kind of money in the bank, stuff um i wasn't even around so um and then maybe i don't know that i don't know what the environment was but obviously we came back and and what happened with the briefcase was what happened with it which is kind of a, a decision i think you make off the back of some other decision or plan right it's like i can't imagine that was the initial plan was to have i mean they just don't do that very often with people where they give them the briefcase and then take it away from them and obviously that's not good for someone so um it was it was I can't imagine that was their initial plan. I have no idea what their what it was, but it's all speculative. Um, you know, so I think kind of that's at least as I've analyzed it, you know, I think that was a big piece of it was just not the not just it happening, but our ability to or inability to kind of um react to that situation as a team well enough to to keep the team together, you know, and ultimately it, it broke us up. You know, you, you look at Otis winning that briefcase. I think a lot of people looked at that moment as, you know, he was getting over. He had the whole storyline with Mandy. It was like, okay, WWE obviously sees something in him. And then, look, the, the storyline progressed the way that it happened. And then all of a sudden, you guys are broken up. You're released from the company. He starts going with Gable, and they stripped away everything that that got him over. And now all of a sudden he's building that momentum up again with Chad Gable. They have a really cool thing that they're doing right now with the Alpha Academy, even though they just took the tag titles off of them and they may not have a WrestleMania spot at this point. But, you know, what do you what you said you've liked what Otis is doing? What do you think realistically his ceiling is uh, in WWE? I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be a world champion, right, with uh, with the right. Um, I think he, there's some pieces he needs around him, right? I think the, um, yeah, I mean, I think his ability to get to where he has back now from where he was shows that, you know, he's a very quality performer and like you watch what he does in the ring. And I think it's very believable. Um, there is just like, um, an underlying kind of silliness to him, right? He just has this natural kind of charisma that I don't think he could ever get rid of where it's like, that's just really hard to dislike the guy, dude. He's just such yeah. a likable guy you just watch him just be bopping around and just like being himself and it, it's it's like not that he's not capable of convincing you that he's a killer or being scary he certainly is but to convince you that he's like a dislikable human being pretty difficult to do i mean and he's like helps to have gable because gable's very good at being kind of a sarcastic prick you know and uh and, and he plays that well role like a wet role well like, i mean he's not that human being in any capacity but he's he's good at it he's very sharp-tongued and um you know, I, I think his ceiling as a heel is not 
up top. But I think his ceiling as a baby face is, is like, I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't get over like Dusty Rhodes and be as believable as, as like that kind of a character. If, you know, the environment was, was right. You know, I, I, but you know, I think the chances of that happening maybe are, are not super high, you know, but I could, I mean, obviously I'm biased cause I love the guy, but I, I don't see any reason why, you know, with, with the proper booking and sort of the proper environment around him over a, you know, six to eight month period, why he couldn't potentially be believable enough in that spot. Right. I mean, he might need a mouthpiece. Yeah. I mean, they, they've given him some big wins. You know, he did pin Randy Orton clean as a sheet a few weeks back. And I get what you're saying about the silliness too. Cause like, even when he's, even when he's being serious, there was a really cool moment that was caught on camera right before they faded to raw where Orton gave uh Gable an RKO out of nowhere. And Otis just looks at Orton and goes, yeah, try to RKO this neck, bitch. And it got caught on camera. And I like he was trying to be like really tough and serious and threatening. I just laughed my ass off because that's such a it's, it's just Otis, man. You can't yeah. help but just smile when he does stuff like that. Well, and I mean, and I think as a like as a heel, it's probably like that's not the reaction you want. Right. But as a baby face, like he could do that same thing. And you would love you love it, right? Because it's right. like he's a he's a fighting guy. He's like, yeah, but look at my neck. Look how big it is. Try, you know, like good luck, bitch. Like, yeah, that like who couldn't relate to that, right? It's yeah, and and it's it's just a, that's a likable quality, right? Like you said, and so I think he has so many of those. It's like he's a quality enough performer that he can he can attempt to cover those things up and work really hard to try to be as mean as possible, but like. There's going to be times where he does things where it's just going to be funny and it's going to be entertaining because he is funny and he is entertaining as a as a person. So, like, you have so much experience in WWE and you kind of talk about, like, being that in that environment and being around so many great people. Like, outside of Otis, who do you think that WWE really hasn't scratched the surface on as far as, like, what they can do on camera for the fans to see? Oh, well, I mean, you know, I, I love that Chad's getting a, a chance to really like show what he can do, you know, because I mean, I think he's very underrated. He's been very good for very long. Like you'd be hard pressed to go back and find a segment that's been bad of his. I mean, yeah. Shorty G wasn't his idea. He gave, he gave it every, you know, that came from the very tippy top. And when stuff comes from the very tippy top, you do your best with it. You take it, you say, yes, sir. And you do your very best with it because you know what the uh, implications of doing otherwise are not good for you um in in a short you know i think uh matt riddle's obviously shown you know not that he's underrated in any capacity but he's kind of shown what what someone's uh able to do if they come up and are able to sort of catch lightning in a bottle and have a very clear you know i think when you come up you need a very clear gimmick right you need like you can't be like oh i'm really good at wrestling because it's like well are you better than i mean danny bryan's not there anymore but like are you going to be better at wrestling than seth rollins are you going to be better or whoever the best like that's not a good enough hook, right? Like you're Matt Riddle. Hey, I, I see what this guy's hook is. Like I either like him or I don't like him right away, but I get him. And I think that's a really big, you know, piece. Um, disappointing to see Cesaro leave without kind of ever having, I think they really, really dropped the ball with that guy. Very, very, but I, you know, I multiple think he's, times. multiple times. Yeah. I mean, Seriously. obviously the longevity that he's been able to send another guy, right? Like go back, yeah. try to find a, a segment where he's like been really bad. Probably be hard pressed to find that. Um, you know, I think, um, I'm a big Nikki Cross fan, you know, I think obviously what she's doing now is what she's doing and it shows kind of her, her ability and range, especially if you know, kind of who she was in sanity. And obviously she wasn't that girl on the main roster as much, or it was more of a cartoon version of that, but, um, yeah. it was, you know, more scary, um, in NXT and, and obviously now she's kind of played a superhero character and, and has been doing well with it in my opinion. And is someone that I could see, like, if given the opportunity, really, really running with the running with the ball and doing uh, doing very well. You know, I think obviously her size probably hurts her a little bit, especially compared to, you know, Charlotte and, um, you know, even uh, Becky are are a head head taller than her. Right. So she has to kind of um, maybe alter her wrestling style a little bit when she wrestles some of them. And that may, may take a little bit out away from her. Um, but. Yeah. She killed it with Charlotte, though, leading up to SummerSlam. She had some of the, her she, best. She's amazing. I mean, she yeah. could kill it with anyone, you know what I mean? I, and I guess a mile me, not that she can't wrestle with them, but just that, like, she like she can't have a 50-50 match with them, maybe the way that both people have been booked up to this point and kind of if yeah. you level up the characters, not, not necessarily their underlying wrestling abilities, but just the way that they've been presented on television. 
Um, in your podcast, you're going to talk mostly about amateur wrestling, as but you said you talk a little bit about professional wrestling as well. Um, having been in it for so long and things ending the way that it did, you know, do you have a hard time kind of watching the product these days? Is it something that you enjoy doing, or do you just kind of like root for your, you know, root for your friends and colleagues and that kind of thing? Well, I mean, if we're talking about the product as in WWE, yeah, I'm not a big watcher of it, you know. Um, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I wasn't watching it a lot while I was wrestling either. I mean, I was in backstage and watching what I was watching there, but it was like I'm wrestling on SmackDown. I'm not like catching Raw on Monday, you know, I'm hanging out with my kids, like following it on social media. That's kind of where I follow WWE and NAW. When I watch wrestling, which is most days, um, I like to watch old wrestling, you know, 80s, I like territory wrestling. I like to watch Japanese wrestling. Um, if I'm going to watch WWE too, it'll be like Attitude Era as a nostalgic thing, just from uh, my youth, kind of just like juiced up. I'll watch one Attitude Era match and then, you know, a couple more technical matches or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I think the kind of disappointment around of around the Mandy thing and just sort of seeing like not that being our only situation for us, but like other people's kind of just the short-term nature of the, of that particular company being in it. Right. And how, how little the conversation was about like the overarching thing, even in like a month, you know, it's like things are changing by the hour, literally almost every week at television. So it's so hard to kind of like keep this congruent story, you know? And I think obviously as, as fans, you guys probably see that and know that. Right. And, and that's kind of been a big disappointment, um, you know, and, and it's, it's not that it's not discussed about or tried by people internally to, you know, fix it, um, it, it or, or make it less. So um, it's just that the environment, it kind of is what it is. And you, and you have your constraints um, and you're, you know, you can work inside of the box that you're allowed to work in um, there, you know? And so I think also one kind of point I would make is that, you know, wrestlers as a generality, if, if what you care about in wrestling is, is kind of your art and who you are and being able to present who you are in a way that you want to present it. And that's like the most important thing for you. Um, you know, these WWE is going to be a difficult place because they really want to control, you know, everything for obvious reasons. I mean, they're a large corporation. They have corporate partnerships, like they got to control what's being put out, but it's important to note that, you know, that it, that, that is what it is. And that like, you can try to kind of get your ideas in where you can get your ideas in, but ultimately at the end of the day, you don't have the last say and your job is to say yes, sir, and do what you're asked to do and do it at a high level. And some people can excel at that. Others have unfortunately not been uh, able to, and you know, it, it, it sucks. It's nice that there's some, some other alternatives uh, out there, you know, for, for those fans. And I think, you know, that's where AEW really has excelled is kind of like letting people come in and, and, and be who they are and kind of letting them, you know, either sink or swim being who they are, because, you know, that's one of the things that I think irritates a lot of fans with WWE is like, okay, you've been incredibly successful at doing this, right? Like perfect example uh, you know, Pete Dunn, incredibly successful in NXT. And now they, they bring him up and they put a little hat on him and they call him Butch and they put him next to Seamus. Like what on God's green earth are you doing? It, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is unfortunate too, that like, I mean, some people loved and some people hated sort of the disconnect between NXT and, and Raw and SmackDown, right? Like, there's some people who are saying like, I can't stand the disconnect. And I get that in particular when people who you really liked come up and then they're presented in a different way. That's not nearly as cool as they were presented when they were, you know, in developmental, if you will, or in NXT. Long um, been my argument, long been my argument. Right. And, and I mean, and so now that now there's no disconnect between the two of them. And, and ultimately I think that's going to not, not be, people are not going to be happy with that. Um, you know, that cause the connection is not, probably from the person that they would like for it to be from perhaps I'm not sure, but you know, that that's what I get the feeling of anyways. So, you know, it's, it's like so many people were able to come in from sort of the Indies and be their authentic self in NXT and, and face kind of new up and coming talent from different worlds. And that's what, what, what helped NXT kind of catch fire and become ultimately what it was, you know, while I was there. And I think that's, that's why it was so cool. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just very, it's, it is disappointing to see, and it just is, it kind of doesn't make sense, right? When you think about it, you're like, well, we had this running joke in the locker room of like, if you try to make sense, someone will come along and like, give you a little knock on the head. Like, don't be trying to make sense, dude. You're going to drive yourself crazy around here. You'd already know things don't make sense. 
Um, <laughs> right. And they don't. I say that all the time. Wear your Vince hat. Everything will make sense more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah, it's hundred percent true. Right. And, and it's that short term thing. That's just kind of like, I mean, you know, the leader of the company leads the company. Right. And, yeah. and everyone else kind of has to follow that. And so I don't think it's like some big surprise. Right. You know, it's, it is, um, if you kind of, I think, internally call out what the issue is, obviously there's a um, direct implication and perhaps um, jeopardize your employment status. So best probably not to do that and try to find some other um, reason for the issue. And, you know, I think that's kind of, you, you just see that in the environment a lot because human beings are gonna are gonna find routines and rituals to exist inside of their habitat and survive, right? That's what we do. That's yep. what we're really, really good yeah. at. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what it is. All right. Well, Levi, man, you've been very generous with your time uh, on on this uh, Monday evening. Again, this is going to drop on, on Friday. We do appreciate your time. Again, tell people where they can uh, find your stuff. Uh, if they want to come out and see you perform. And of course, you know, when uh, they can expect the podcast to drop and how they can find that. Yeah. So you'll, uh, you know, you'll see me on the Believe Network here, um, hopefully starting in April with Wrestling is Life. Um, obviously, be promoting it on my social media accounts, mainly Twitter and Instagram. Right there, real Levi Cooper is uh, my handle on both Twitter and Instagram. So, you know, you can find me there for uh, latest information, wrestling wise. Yeah, gonna continue to stay on the West Coast here for at least another, uh, you know, six to eight months while you know this school year finishes out, and just kind of while my situation is what it is with my kids, um, and then maybe look to um, kind of expand my horizons and and move out into uh, other territories after that potentially after this year, but yeah, I'll be mostly uh, defy prestige um, and potentially in Southern California. Um, hopefully no, no guarantees yet, but fingers crossed. And uh, you know, yeah, you guys can be promoting all those on my socials as well. So be on the lookout for it. And uh, as always love, uh, love all of my fans and appreciate any uh, support that I get. It means a lot to me. And uh, it's, it's the reason why I came back to wrestling. So thank you guys. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us here. Ricky Chino, SP3. This has been a special presentation of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. Uh, working our way towards monetization on the YouTube channel, so every subscription really helps. Make sure to check out my conversation with Wardlow, which dropped earlier this week. You can find that right here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast YouTube channel as well. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy your weekend. SP3 and I will be back Monday morning, available at 7 a.m., wherever podcasts are available, and, of course, right here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel, brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.